Thank you for listening to the Guys Who Do Stuff podcast. Visit guyswhodostuff.com. You probably shouldn't Google that. All right, welcome to today's show. I am Joe. I have a new co-host joining me today, filling in, Adam Lee. Adam, say hi. Hey, how's it going? It's going good. They can't. They can't respond back. Uh, talking to you, man. <laughs> I'm going. I'm doing great. It's. I'm thankful for you to come on the show and, and co-host with me. And today's guest, super excited to welcome Dave Bates from Wise Insights. Thank you for being on the show today. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, really excited to talk to you. So we've met out at networking stuff. And um, sometimes if you go out to a networking thing, you do what's called like a one-on-one, if depending on whatever it is, and you get to grab coffee with somebody. And you and I spoke for quite some time, and I felt like I, I got a lot of free advice from you because that's kind of what you do, <laughs> as well as uh, some some challenging and, and really good uh, principles. And so excited to talk to you today. So tell me a little bit about, well, I guess this is where I want to start. I know a little bit about you uh, from looking at your website and from meeting you that you were a senior executive um, for for a while with a passion for helping leaders and uh, helping people communicate well. What was the kind of the catalyst from you from being an executive for somebody else's company to saying, like, this is what I want to do? Yeah, sure. Well, so I have for a long time had this entrepreneurial bent. And I've, I've kind of been out on my own before in a number of, of different capacities. Um, this time was kind of a situation where, you know, we'd been working together for a while, had a lot of really great stuff happening. Um, but really, as we iterated our way into, into that business, um, it became kind of more and more apparent that the kind of things that were originally calling me into his business were not really necessary in the same way. And so it, it became just a better opportunity for the two of us to kind of go our different ways. And really the reason that I went there to begin with was to really help build the business, to bring operational um, you know, efficiencies to the business, to help look across um, the overall enterprise and see how we can grow. Yeah. So what I then said was, look, the reason that I came here was to do that. There's no reason I can't go out and help other people do that at the same time. Yeah. I can't do that as an employee somewhere, so I'll start my own thing. So did you work yourself out of a job? Did that happen? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. Uh, my job's done. Great. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> I think it, I think it was really more about getting organizational clarity around yeah. what the business owner at that place wanted and realizing that um, for me to be there was was potentially more than they needed. Yeah. So you said you kind of had an entrepreneurial bent. Did you have, you started other companies before? Well, starting other companies, um, I've experimented around a lot of different things. Yeah. Um, and I've been part of startups and uh, like one of my first experiences was when IBM decided that they were going to roll out our home networking and automation division. And um, that was back in the late, 90s, mid to late 90s. And so a lot of the things that we do today on our cell phones um, and with our Nest thermostats and all that kind of stuff, turning things up and down and accessing our house from somewhere else, that was stuff that we were doing way back in a lab in uh, you know, yeah. 1997, 1998. Um, and so, you know, I kind of got bit by the, by the startup 
yeah. bug at that point. Was it more the startup bug or was it like the work? Because I'm always fascinated with like the internet of things. Like, and now it's so common that it's not cool anymore. But like when it was first starting, it was like I can use my phone to unlock my door. Well, it was it wasn't quite as cool back then. We <laughs> we used to use this big Nokia um, phone called the Communicator. You can Google it and find it somewhere in the Wayback Machine. <laughs> I'm gonna put a copy of it on the. We show referred notes. to that as the shoe phone. It was it was terrible. It was called um, the Communicator. Uh huh. It was the it, but it was it was the the thing where you could send text messages. That was that was really cool new stuff. Yeah. Um. And so what you'd do is you'd text you'd like text your house to turn a light on or something like that. That was the theory that we were that we were kind of working under. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I think the answer to your question is yes. It was both. Mm-hmm. It was the entrepreneurial stuff and it was the work. It was really cool stuff. Yeah. So talk to me a little bit about what you're doing now. Yeah. So now, um, I. Uh, when I am asked to introduce myself, I, I say, um, you know how so many people get the Sunday night blues when they think about going back to work on Monday? Well, mm-hmm. my job is to help there be less of that. Mm. And that happens to business owners just as much as it does to employees. Yeah. A lot of times what we find is that a business owner has gotten themselves into a place where they're spending more time on the organizational and business aspects of it than the thing they started the business in the first place to do. Yeah. So for them, it's kind of like, well, I'd really like to go write some code or I'd really like to go on a consulting gig and, you know, help somebody through their, their consulting problem. But I can't because I got to go hire this person or I got to go write that policy or I got to go do this other thing that's about building the company and not the reason they started the business in the first place. Yeah. Well, one of the things that uh, I really appreciated when I was hanging out with you for the first time is you helped me understand because I think I'm like a lot of people and that I kind of know enough about what people's jobs and roles are. And um, so I had assumed, I think falsely before I had coffee with you, <laughs> that a coach and a consultant was the same thing. Yeah, they're, they're really not. Um, I think that um, the way I describe it is coaching in its, in its sort of original form is this aspirational thing. It's a question of where do you want to be? Um, and, and how are you going to get there? So it's aspirational in that, you know, like we're asking the person who is being coached, like, what are you feeling about where you are today? And how does it compare to where you want to be in the future? And the difference between that and consulting is that consulting is typically fairly prescriptive. You're not going to go to McKinsey or Deloitte or Accenture and say, here's where I want to be. Mm-hmm. Right. They're going to say, well, if you want to go from point A to point B, here's a series of 18 steps in order to get there or five steps to get there. So the difference between aspirational coaching and prescriptive consulting is that one person is driving. I mean, the customer is always driving, Mm -hmm. right? Um, But one is where we're using knowledge and expertise to tell you what we think based on our observation of so many patterns in so many other places versus just sort of helping a person explore kind of the ideas and places that they might want to be. Right. So do you think, have you ever met with a client in, has that ever been like, they, they, they think they need consulting, but they really need coaching? Well, I think a lot of times people want somebody to tell them, just just tell me what to do, right? Because <laughs> right? a lot of times that's just easier. It's a lot easier than like, give me the plan, thinking right? about what to do. Yeah, and it's really, really hard work, right, um, to to sort of be, you hear about this with writer's block, 
Yeah. Um, right. You know, people sit down and they're like, I got a blank page. What do I put on it? Well, you know, coaching is about like helping you see what to put on the blank page, right? right. It's in your head somewhere and there's noise in there. And the, and the goal is like, if I could just talk to somebody who has a framework for asking really good questions that help me think about the noise in my head and pick the thing that's yeah. a signal instead of a noise and then, and then get it out of my head. And so a lot of times, um, people, people often actually need a blend, um, in this thing that I kind of jokingly referred to as coach salting, yeah. um, a, a true certified coach will, will be extremely, they go to pains to not tell you what to do or what right. they think, um, have to ask for permission to like, can I, can I just share something that occurs to me here based on what you're saying? And, um, and the idea is that like a coaching rule, like a big no, no, they teach you in coaching. It's school? not a no, no. It's a, it's a best practice. It, yeah. it, it fits into the ICF professional coaching competencies. Um, and it's part of how you get certified so um, as a certified coach. The ICF is, what does that stand for? Uh, it's the international coaching federation. And so what does that look like? Like when I'm out networking and I meet somebody and they're a coach, I assume that they've, are there is there discrepancies? Are they like coaches that just say they're coaches and they're like life coaches and they just tell you that you look pretty and you're great? And then there's like coaches that are, I see it. Like I imagine that guy from SNL what yeah. was the line. Is, I can't remember the line that he would always say. Like you're worth it. Gosh darn it, you're worth yeah, it. That yeah, guy. yeah, Inspirational. You're yes. good enough, you're smart enough and doggone yeah, it. That I like guy, you. Yeah, that yeah, guy. Yeah. I could do that. I could be that. You I get better. <laughs> but the people, is it something that you, you would caution people? Like you really want to work with somebody that's, licensed by the ICF because well, this is what the difference is. Yeah. So ICF doesn't actually sort of, it doesn't license people. It's not a licensing okay. board like your CPAs or, or the, or the bar or anything like that. Um, but it is a, it is sort of a recognition of a, a given set of competencies. It's kind of like the project management certification okay. and those kinds of things. Um, so your original question was like, you know, is there a caution around that? Um, I think you can be a coach. So coaching is a posture. It's a, it's a set of skills that are oriented around you and where you're at and how can I help you kind of identify what's next and what could go wrong, mm -hmm. what things you could try. And by having that conversation with you, um, I, you know, I kind of hope to, to help you discover a new path right. forward. Um, and you don't have to have a certification to be able to have a posture. Right. Right. So the, what the certification does is it gives you confidence as uh, a client that you, you're going to get somebody who has been independently sort of audited for a body of knowledge. Um, if that's important to you, then you should go find an ICF certified coach. Yeah. But if it's not, uh, I, don't, I don't know that it's a prerequisite. Listening to you um, kind of describe what you do, you know, my thought was really anybody that has that vision and wants to stay on track needs somebody like you in their corner. Do you find that most people that reach out to you um, have kind of hit hit a wall and, and maybe their business is floundering and they kind of reach out to you to help them just pick things back up? Or what percentage actually, you know, find somebody like you from the get-go that says, you know, I know I can get distracted. Yeah. I know other things can come up, but... Um, I need someone to help me kind of stick with my vision versus, hey, I'm getting close to bankruptcy. Yeah. <laughs> I need a guru to come in and, and take care of this and, yeah. and fix it. So I recently read uh, that 
uh, people who who consider themselves gurus really aren't. That's a that's a term that uh, <laughs> the that, love guru, that <laughs> Mike <Yeah>. Myers. <laughs> so, um, but but the I, it really depends on. So I'm a consultant. I got to say, it depends, right? Um, <laughs> I can't take a position on anything. I'm just kidding. The um, I, I think it depends on you know sort of the person's willingness to be humble and ask for insight and input and and really be willing to take it. Yeah. And I think it's less about the the condition in which they are. So some people will just start out like, "Hey, I know what I don't know. Who can I find that can help me?" Um, and that that's kind of gets into some of the some of the other nuances between um, consultants and contractors, right? Like, hey, I'm not really good at this. I need somebody to just go do this stuff for me. That, you know, like hire somebody to do that. Right. Um, and, and so, it, you know, you, if somebody's business is in a shambles um, for one reason or another, um, they, you know, it's, it's great if they have the openness and willingness to admit, hey, I've kind of put this thing into the ditch and I need some help getting it out. Mm. But again, it, it's not. Probably helps save time. You don't have to spend like a month convincing him that you put this thing in the ditch and you need some help. Yeah, for sure. Actually, when when you when when you when you're in that spot, it doesn't usually work very well. And and I think the number one indicator of success for a coaching client is humility. I mean, coaches call that coachability, Mm -hmm. but really, you know, coachability is kind of one of those jargony words. And the reality is that that if you're humble enough to be able to say, "I need some insight from somebody that isn't me," yeah. And submit yourself sort of to the process and trust the process. Um, you'll get a lot more out of it than you will if you're just like, "Hey, I need somebody to yeah. tell me how great I am." That was kind of. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, you've got to hit that all the time. Like with with guys that think they can leave whatever job they were doing to start their own thing. Um, you know, they've got to think that they have a little bit more vision than most people. So I'm sure. What percentage of people do you like come in contact with where you're just like, you guys are not listening. You're not absorbing. <laughs> I cannot help you. I'm sure that's a no, no in your business, but it's gotta be. Well, there's a, there's a, there's a lot of that. Yeah. Um, and uh, there's, there's two things. One thing I've learned a lot about recently is, is this, this idea of really exploring empathy. Um, you know, a person is absolutely right in their own mind based on the experiences that they've had to think the way that they do. It doesn't mean they're right. It just means that they're right in their mind. And so when we talk about somebody who is, you know, fairly successful, um, it, that is difficult for them. Um, and a lot of people who, you know, let's say they've been in business for 10, 15, 20 years, but they've hit a plateau. Mm-hmm. It's really, really hard for them to say, hey, look, you know, like I was good to get me to, the, to this point. And they were. But what worked to get to that point isn't necessarily what's going to work to get them to the next point. And there's a really great example of this. In fact, um, just, just this week, I read an article uh, by the guy who started PagerDuty, a guy named Alex Solomon. And I don't know, I don't know Alex. I've, I've run into PagerDuty in, in my experience in, in the tech world. Um, but he wrote an article, and it was published in Inc. Magazine this week, um, short article about how he replaced himself as CEO. I don't know too many CEOs who'd have the guts to say, you know what, me being in the top job at this company is actually keeping us from being able to achieve the objectives that... Uh, was he the founder as well? Yeah. Okay. Gosh, even even more. Even more, yeah. yeah. So, um, so in, in my 
deconstruction of that story, right, was that there that he exhibited three key traits of a leader who, um, well, three key traits of a leader. Um, one is humility. The second one is intention. And the third one was exploration. Uh, and I unpack that a little bit in a, in a post that I, um, that I put up this week. But, you know, the reality is that with a posture of humility, he was able to say, Hey, you know what? I, I recognize that I'm not the best person for this partly because he didn't want it like according to the article you know he's kind of like saying you know i want to work on the technical stuff and similar to what i was saying at at the start you know like he built this really successful business used by companies that you know you could list off the names and people be like oh yeah i know that company Mm -hmm. right so i mean he he did it you know and then um the interesting thing about that story was that it's it's three years since he made the transition and so you get to look back and say, did it work? Right? Yeah. And, and if you read the article, you'll find out, you know, kind of. Yeah, where, do you, where do you find the article that you read? Wrote? Um, we can, I can get you the link to it. I, have okay. a, I, I did a, a post on my blog that links to it as well. Cool. But, um, we can, we'll add it to the show more. notes. You were talking a, a while ago, and I think if I could kind of restate what I think I heard, uh, Adam asked you a question. And when, when my and I was thinking, like, do you – do you hire a coach at when everything is lost, all is lost, the ship is on fire kind of thing. And then preventative maintenance is kind of the way that my mind was thinking about it. And you said you actually get a lot more out of the preventative maintenance approach. So I bet that there are people listening to this who have been networking business owners that have met coaches and consultants and just never even thought like, why would I even talk to them? It's probably, it's probably the antithesis of what the, First guy, like it's the, probably the opposite of humility a little bit. I don't want to offend anybody, but that's probably what it is. Um, so if you could just talk directly to somebody that has maybe been on the fence or never even considered employing the services of a coach, like what do you think are the top things that they're going to get out of that? Well, I think some of the things that we've already talked about, sort of perspective, um, helping you sort of, I, I refer to it as being an external brain. Yeah. Right. It's, it's somebody that's outside your head. It's outside the noise to help you. Or maybe outside your friends and family. Can I just do a quick confession? (laughs) Because like my wife will often give me very sound business advice and she's right, but there's some kind of mental block. I'm sorry, honey. When she talks, like I want to hear it from somebody else. This upsets her. So I'm sure she's going to listen to this and be like, yeah, I know. Um, She'll probably do her good to know that I know, but she'll give me perfectly good advice. And then like, I'll read it in a book and I'll be like, you know, I was thinking about doing this thing. And she's like, oh, (laughs) (laughs) thanks for listening. Said everyone. (laughs) Oh, it's not just me. Okay, good. Um, My wife probably won't listen to this, so (laughs) probably won't tell her. (laughs) Um, No, like I, I think, I think there are some elements of friends and family that um, they know you better than anybody else. Mm -hmm. Right. And so they can give you, they have a particular lens that, that they can share and you hear it. Like people have to hear things over and over and over again. Right. A lot of times in order, like, I wish I was smart enough to, to be like, Oh, Joe, you just told me that I definitely need to do that. Yeah. But I'm not. And I'm not humble enough. There's a, lot a big of times, difference between right? listening and hearing. And I, the older I get, the more I realize that. Like yeah, I can hear the same thing over and over again, but until I hear it, then it's yeah. like, oh wow, yeah. like it clicks. I don't know exactly what that phenomenon is in your brain. I'm sure there's a there's a way to describe it chemically. Yeah. There, but, well, there's there's the science of it, and then there's the communication. So um, there's a lot of communication theory, and one of the things I talk about regularly 
Um, it wasn't in the talk that you heard me give, um, but uh, I have another one that I do. And, and I talk specifically about our ability to hear and listen. If, if in, in sort of the short version of that, there's lots of things that get in the way of our ability to actually listen. So hearing and listening, people get the, the order all mixed up. Mm-hmm. Um, people want to be heard. They say, hey, I want to be heard. Um, but the reality is they want to be listened to. And so hearing is um, an auditory construct. It's the thing that happens when sound waves hit your ear. And if you ever forget the order, if you just take the H off of here, you get your ear, and that's what's in between you and 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 the ability to listen. So hearing hearing happens first. Right. Then the cognitive process of listening kicks in. And there's lots and lots of reasons why we can't actually listen. Sometimes we're not present. Sometimes we have um, a screen, a frame of reference that gets in the way. Sometimes right. it's our personality. There's there's a ton to talk about there. We're formulating our much like, more interesting uh, retort to your conversation <laughs> while you're talking. Like, yeah, Sorry, I'm right? done talking so I can say my thing. Yeah, um, <laughs> that's that's a phenomenon we call loading while listening. Yeah, that's me 95% of the time. <laughs> that's yeah, most yeah. people, yeah, for sure. So um, so, so that, uh, that your, your original question was, you know, so like, when is coaching going to be really helpful? Right. And, and, and the answer is, so, you know, all the time. Right. <laughs> I mean, well, what about the, in the stage of a business? Like, is there a phase in business where coaching is more like, so I, I was side hustle for like the last nine years with my company right. and then I've gone full time and it's been like seven months. Right. And so that's kind of where I'm at. Some people are two years in, three years in, five yep. years in, is there a spot where coaching makes them like, you're like, Oh, I just wish I could get people to sign up during this point. Yeah. And the answer to that is no, no. it's all the time. It's all the time. And, and here's the thing, right? We're humans and we take our brain with us through all the stages of company growth, mm-hmm. right? It's not like, like, Oh, I have this kind of unique problem and coaching is only for that kind of unique problem. And it happens here in a company life cycle. Right. The, the, the challenges that we run into are constant and they are different. They're ever changing and, and they're different for, for each business, right? Yeah. So you're, you're in business to do something. You're likely not in business to do the same thing as everybody else. So there's something unique and different about the value that you're trying to bring to the market mm. through your business. Mm-hmm. So guess what? Nobody's ever done it that way before. What if it doesn't work? How do I know it's working? How do I know it's not working? Who do I talk to about it? Right? So, so here's, here's the, here's the reason that I say that <clears throat> it doesn't, that it's, it's for the entire life cycle of the company. If you look at the statistics, um, and the most recent ones are, are pretty old. They're from 2016, um, from the Small Businesses Administration um, and, the, and the federal government census on, on businesses. Um, the 30% of businesses die in the, in the first two years. 50% of the, uh, them die in five years, and only 30% of them are left after 10 years. So if you cross correlate that with the data from Gallup about employee engagement, which happens to founders as well, not just, not just to the people that you, you have on your payroll, assuming you have people on your payroll. Um, the U S leads the world with 30% engagement. Mm. So that means one out of three people in a company are engaged. So there's three of us in here. So which one of us isn't engaged? (laughs) Right. It's me. (laughs) (laughs) So you run a company, you got 250 employees or 300 because I'm better at math that way. A hundred of them are paying attention when they come to work. Are fully paying attention. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and are like, they're 
they're pushing the company forward. Now, that doesn't mean that the other two-thirds are, are not there. It just means they're not fully engaged, right? Right. So if you if you ask yourself the question, what is this business for? And and who do I have available to help me get there? And how do I keep it from not dying? It's, it's, it's not fear-mongering on the death of your company. But if you had, let's say you have $1,000 to invest, and I tell you that at the end of the year, you're going to have 300 of that left. Does that sound like a good thing for you? Sounds depends. What do I get to do with the other money? <laughs> it's poof. Gone. It's gone. Oh yeah, no, it's not a good thing, right? So <laughs> when we talk about company, um, comp- when you talk about company death in 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 sort of the statistics that are available, but the reality is that we're trying to help our companies thrive, and our and we need our company to thrive at the very earliest stages because that's how we gain market acceptance. That's how we gain visibility, mm-hmm. right? But then as we start to grow, there are, are pressures that can come to bear on our company as we hire our first person or we hire a, a whole new team mm-hmm. or we hire a strategic like, hey, I need to hire a CEO to replace me as we were talking about with Alex's example, right? So all through the, all through the life cycle of the company, there are opportunities for the company to either make decisions for the person running the company to make decisions that will either cause that company to thrive or cause it to sort of retract. And so the idea is that by having somebody who's outside of your brain and outside the organization, you can say, Hey, I'm thinking about doing this. Why do you want to do that? Yeah. What Mm -hmm. could go wrong if you do that? I haven't thought about what could go wrong because I'm so busy and like, this is the thing I got to go do. Right. And so the point there is what we're trying to do is bring all of the, all of the resources. If I told you, Hey, there's a tool that you could use so that at the end of the year, you might have 500 bucks instead of 300. Like, would you take it? You'd be crazy not to, right? Mm-hmm. So, so the point here is like, how do we help business owners build something from where they are to where they want to be and, and help it thrive? Yeah. So if you've never used the services of a coach before, just keeping it super practical, what does it look like? We sign up, we sign, we're saying, man, I want you to coach me. Yeah, and then sure. I show up at your office and like, what does it look like? Yeah, it, it looks like a conversation. Because right in my mind, I feel like it looks like going to see a psychologist. Right. <laughs> like, do I get to lay down? Right. So <laughs> I'll ask, I, I don't know if you're allowed to do this in a podcast, but I'm going to, I'm going to. Yeah, you can I'm do gonna, whatever you want. There's oh, no rules. That's awesome. No rules in podcasts. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, you, you heard him say that. Right? <laughs> yeah. All right. I'll so how you. did it feel like when we met for coffee? Uh, it felt like two guys just talking. Yeah. Yep. You ask me questions. I ask you questions. Yeah. And, uh, if coaching felt like that, how would, how would, how would you think of it? Uh, I would, I think, I guess that's what I would kind of expect. I just have never used the services of a coach before. Well, a lot of people have this misconception that the coach is supposed to have all the answers and to give you the plan. And, and what we see in the growth of coaching over the last, you know, 10, 15, 20 years has been, you know, people are trying to find an edge for themselves. Hey, I have the, I have the six week coaching course and Mm -hmm. I have the 12 week coaching program for you around Mm -hmm. this specific thing. And those are, those are good things and they're helpful things, but you know, sort of coaching in its, its most pure form is not what agenda I have as a coach. It's really hearing from you where you're at, where you're stuck and what do we need to do next, 
with you. So sure, mm-hmm. I bring tools and a framework and uh, an experience as a coach right. um, and as a consultant. Um, and I bring those things to the table to your benefit. But at the end of the day, I want to hear from you and I want to ask you difficult questions yeah. that are designed not not to make you feel bad, but to make you think deeper about what it is that you want and where you're stuck and what we what you can do about it. Yeah. And so in that way, um, a, a lot of times the best kind of coaching is just that sort of informal conversation right. and it feels really fresh. And it's like, oh, hey, it's I'm, I'm really been looking forward to talking to you. I have this idea yeah. and I wanted to see what you thought. Well, so for, for most people sitting back, they maybe have started a business, but it's not where they want to be. Um, you know, I, th- I think my wife right now, I, she told me I could talk about her. So I have permission. <laughs> she started a daycare at our home yeah. and, um, she's incredible at what she does. You know, I, I could not do what, what she, uh, is doing, but you know, she probably needs somebody like you. I, I'm probably in the uh, the cheerleader phase where I'm just rooting her on, but I, I don't really have the... You can uh, help her grow her business. You can have more kids. Right. You know, I'm, I'm <laughs> you'd have to pay her for I'm that, trying. though. <laughs> <laughs> um, what, what do you say to most people that say, all right, well, I'm not where I need to be, but there's no way I could hire a coach right now. Um, obviously, if I don't have the money to... You know, I'm sure you, you get asked that question all the time. Mm-hmm. What's your what's your go-to answer? I'm sure people ask for guarantees or, you know, different things like that, stats. What, what do you do besides just offer them referrals from people that you've worked with in the past? What What's your answer with that? Yeah, I'm, well, there's a couple of questions embedded in the question. Okay. Um, you know, one of them is a story about money. And, you know, like, oh, it's really expensive. Mm. I don't have the money. Like if I asked you how much you spend on coffee each week or ask you how much you spend on Netflix, Amazon prime, and you know, all the other ways that you get your, your, your movies. We don't think a whole lot about investing our money in things that we want for ourselves. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, I don't know what the average American car payment is, but I'm pretty sure it's not cheap. And so, you know, we spend money on what's important to us. And so the question is, how important is your business to you? How important is your business to your future? And how are you investing in that? So where are you making it a priority to put your money? And then the question about like, you know, like what's the guarantee? Well, you know, I don't, I don't know what you're going to do based on what we talk about. Mm -hmm. Like that's, that's up to you. Right. And so as a coach, you know, my, my job is, you know, one part cheerleader to celebrate, to notice, to mm-hmm. observe, to say, Hey, that's fantastic that you were able to succeed in that thing. Um, you know, one part is, uh, it's not therapist, um, for sure, but it's, um, you know, it's supporter, it's counselor. It's like, Hey, you know, that bad thing happened. Okay. Well, let's, you know, what did you learn from that? Mm-hmm. And what are you going to do differently? But, but the key thing is that you're going to do something. So, what I what I offer is the is sort of the independent voice to be able to kind of help you think through. <laughs> My wife, um, since we're talking about our wives here, she's uh, she's a huge fan of, of me having a coach because she's like, finally, 
Somebody else you can talk to. <laughs> I feel like that would be my wife's exact reaction. Right. Thank God. And, yeah. and, and I think, um, you know, if I didn't have uh, sort of coaches do this reciprocal coaching thing, so we can't. We oh, kinda, you like yeah. barter. That's uh, nice. Well, yeah. sort of not bartering because you got to talk to your accountant about what that means. But, you know, like, um, but the but the general idea of like, hey, I've been talking to you, listen to you thrash over and over and over again. And to your point, Joe, like, you know, why aren't you listening to me? Maybe you'll listen to somebody else. I think if I didn't have a network of, of people that I sort of collaborate with that way, she'd be ready to write the check. Mm. Because the question is like, what is it worth to you to have the expertise and the objectivity of somebody outside that normal sphere of influence and sphere of conversations yeah. who maybe has seen this before and knows how to help? Do you find too, and I wonder, I'm just wondering out loud now, if, if I'm giving you money, I'm not, creating a posture where I'm a little bit more humble and receptive. Like I'm asking for it. It's kind of like, yeah. like accountability versus like, like if I ask Adam, you know, Hey, if you see me eating like three cheeseburgers a day, can you tell me to knock it off? Cause I'm trying not to be fat <laughs> um, versus him just bringing up of his own accord. Like, Hey, I noticed that your third cheeseburger fatty. Uh, <laughs> it would feel a lot different if I ask him. <laughs> right. And I wonder if that doesn't, that doesn't, I bet it would for me, I guess is what I'm saying. If I engage the services of a coach and paid, I bet I would, more skin in the game. I would have more skin in the yeah. game. I would give more thoughtfulness and intention to the to the advice that I'm receiving, I think. It's it's like playing free poker versus having a little bit of money yeah. in it. You know, you'll go yeah. all in with nothing, <laughs> yeah. you know, playing for poker chips. But if there's a dollar or two in there, yeah. you're going to think a little bit more about it. Well, you value what attention. you pay for. Yeah. Right. Yeah. right. So I love this. I don't know the exact quote, but I know I know the gist of it from Gandhi where he's talking about his definition of education and he's talking about education is drawing out where a lot of people think that education is putting in and that's more like the educational system. But that's, that's what keeps going through my mind when we're talking about coaching. It's just asking the right questions, helping draw out the information that's important to the person. And I wonder if that's not, um, we were talking before when we were having coffee about how I, I've, I've read a lot of business books, books on business, et cetera. And there's a lot of formulas in there, which are more like what you're talking about a consultant. Um, so like consulting at its best, right? It's like, I ask you for this very specific thing. Here's the process that other people have done. And that's fantastic. But what I was chatting with you about is like, sometimes people give you the process that's like for their personality type. Like mm -hmm. if you act and behave this way and think this way, you'll be successful, which might not work for me because I don't like acting and thinking and behaving like this person. Cause then I would feel like a fraud, mm -hmm. et cetera. Um, and so the, it sounds like the 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 area of coaching that might be kind of one of its components of the secret sauce is that it helps you formulate by somebody asking you the right leading questions with the expertise and the experience of helping other people realize this about the right way to go about doing the business for you. Yeah, I, I sort of getting back to your your Gandhi and educational quote, Seth Godin kind of um, amplifies that a little bit. Um, yeah. and, and he talks about how the educational system is about collecting dots. So we, we acquire information right. and, and the, um, and, and the, the path to success now is not acquiring dots, but connecting them. And a lot of times our own frame of reference gets in the way of our ability to see connections between dots. Mm -hmm. And so that's really the value of coaching is to help you see the connections when you can't right. see them yourself. 
And so we bring lots and lots of different tools to bear and say, Hey, you know, like, Hey, if you need a business model canvas, but you don't necessarily know how to do it, well, what's it for? Right. So, you know, we kind of draw the, we kind of draw the connections between the dots so that you can start to see the the bigger picture of what you're trying to use those systems for. Right. What's it cost to have a coach? You said there's no rules. (laughs) (laughs) How do you charge, you know? Yeah, um, there are sort of in the market, there are lots and lots of different, there's a whole range of people that, you know, like I was talking to a guy the other day, he's like, I was kind of hoping I could pay like 30 bucks. (laughs) And then there's other people that are like, you know, a thousand dollars an hour for a a seasoned executive business coach, Um, you know, and they go through their program. And some of those people say, hey, that's, that's cool. I'll, I'll meet with you once a week or once a month for six months and I only take six, you know, six sessions. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to pay $6,000 to meet with a person one time per month. Right. I would be doing homework before I go to that. Like, (laughs) (laughs) so, I mean, but that's, that's, you know, sort of, those are the outer, outer limits. And then everybody's sort of, you know, sort of in between somewhere. And, uh, for me, I generally, um, I told you kind of before that I'm, I do this coach consulting thing. Mm-hmm. So one part coach and one part consultant. And, and because consultants can't ever get straight answers. Right. Uh, it depends, right, in, in terms of my, my engagements because, um, you know, somebody might need just coaching and somebody might need a blend of coaching all the way up through fractional chief operating officer, right? So really what I, what I want to do for them is say, where are you and in, in that company life cycle? And what do you need? And let's build a let's build a, a package of services around that mm-hmm. that include coaching, but may not exclusively be coaching. Gotcha. So how how um kind of just backing up a little bit, what is it about coach consulting and what you get to do with your time every day that has you? Um, I guess I'm getting to like, what's the catalyst? What made you want to do this with your life? Yeah. So I thought a lot about this, especially because you knew I was going to ask it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, maybe, but, but I actually been, uh, been pondering this. I was driving along the other day, coming back from a meeting and thinking like, what in the world? Right. Yeah. So I, I, I don't thought, think a lot of like five-year-olds when they're like playing cowboys and Indians are like, what do you want to be when you grow up? I'm going to be a fireman. I'm going to be a coach consultant. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Um, I used to tell my kids all the time, like I got two options at Halloween for scary costumes. <laughs> Look at me standing here like this. It's consultant. <laughs> no, no. Um, so look, I thought back as um, as early as I could um, remember. I kind of wanted to be like a policeman, and and I remember growing up. Um, my mom was always like after me, and especially when I I got a car, I started to drive, and I'd be like driving down the road, and there'd be somebody on the side, and and they got their car up on a jack. I'm like, oh, I gotta stop and help. Right. And like, she's like, you don't have to stop and help everybody. I'm like, well, yeah, mom, but you're going to have to buy me one of those bag phones, you know, cause that was in <laughs> bag phones were, were cool. Um, like, so I can call the police and have them come and help. But otherwise, if I don't get the bag phone, I'm stopping and helping everybody on the side of the road. Smart. So, um, yeah, well, I wasn't as good a negotiator then as I am now, apparently, cause I didn't get the bag phone. So, but, but the, but the point there is like, um, there's sort of this, thread of helping people that has woven its way all through my, my experience and, you know, coaching and consulting are a way to come and, and engage deeply with a business owner 
over where they're trying to go and help them get there mm-hmm. and and to do good in the world like the business owner is is they have a business for a reason right they're trying to bring a change into the world they're trying to hire people and and have productive jobs and do those kinds of things and so um so for a person who has a helper personality coaching and consulting is is a is a fantastic way to contribute to society and to you know to earn a living by coming alongside somebody and just yeah. saying hey how can i help I was kind of wondering if that's what you were going to say, because a lot of the coaches and consultants that I met out at networking, when you have a conversation with them, I feel like when I leave those conversations, I'm more thinking about how to become better. Like I get a lot of thoughtful, really good questions that are like, oh, that's a really good, that I have to wrestle with. Like, it's not like, like, what do you want for breakfast kind of question? But it's like, well, let me ask you this. And here's this really thoughtful question. You're like, what well, might Why take- do you want breakfast? Yeah. Well, <laughs> no, <I'm> just kidding. <laughs> What is it to be human? Yeah. Like, I think just give you an existential crisis before 7 a.m. Yeah. Yeah, I think of like, who would be the worst consultant in the world? I think like David Carradine, like just the Kung Fu, like just rephrase the question differently to you every time. Uh, That would find. I I used to, I used to work at a coffee shop and we'd have these B&I groups come in Mm -hmm. and, um, I would just overhear them, and some of the worst ideas for businesses I've ever heard have come from those. Uh, you know, there's some great ones in there. Have there ever been clients where you're just like, I, I can't help you. You don't want to hurt their feelings, but you just you have to be honest with them and tell them that's not going to work. Um, so. A couple of things. Uh, first, I'm a member of BNI Group, so I gotta, I gotta make sure that in case goes. anybody, in case anybody of BNI hears this, like, you know, like, um, look, I, I mean, BNI is is a great opportunity for BNI's purpose is not to help decide whether or not you got a good business or not. It's really, it's really a question of like, you know, who do I know that I might be able to put you into touch with that could help you, mm-hmm. um, whether or not your business is good or valid or whatever. That's not for me to decide. It's a question of like, what do you need? And who can I introduce you to? Um, so that aside, um, there are situations in which, you know, I, I will recuse myself from an opportunity. Um, one of those is, you know, there's just certain industries and certain spaces that are just not consistent with my core values. And so I have to say, Hey, thanks. But you know, I'm, I think you might be better off with this person because, Mm -hmm. because coaching in particular and, and even consulting is very much relational. And what we don't want to do is we don't want to have people who are sort of at philosophical odds with each other. Um, and that doesn't mean that I can't help people or work with people that hold positions that I don't agree with. Um, and in fact, I've, I've had clients like that before where it's like, Hey, look, you know, like as part of our, um, decision to work together. Hey, you know, you should know that I view the world this way. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that I'm going to try to drive you that way, but if you were to find out about that and I know about you and the positions you take in the, on the world, like, I don't want you to be surprised by that. And so I don't think it has anything to do with the work that we're doing here. And if you're okay with that, I'm okay with that. Let's move forward. And I find that people are pretty reasonable about that, but there are certain things where, you know, like, you know, clearly if it's illegal, we're yeah. going to say no. Yeah. Now right. I want to um, know how I'm going to, I really need help growing my drug dealing business. Yeah. Some right. bad. <laughs> yeah. There's a difference between being in drug distribution <laughs> legally and drug distribution, yeah. not legally. And yeah. probably the former would be fine, but the latter, not so much. Gotcha. So I did want to talk to you about what I think is, uh, is a myth about coaching. And I want to hear your perspective on it. And I think, 
I've heard it primarily in terms of like investing money. So like you hear like guys like I'm not going to give any money to this guy working at Edward Jones if I, if I know he doesn't have more money than me. Like I'm better at it than him. Why would I let somebody manage my money? Mm-hmm. Does that something that this is what I think about. I think in coaching, like if you think about sports, like in basketball, there's no way that the head coach of the championship team is better player than the players on the team. But that's, it's a different practice. Do you run into that with coaching? Like people are like, man, I don't, I'm not going to talk to this guy. I'm better than him. Well, that would be an example of a person that I'd probably say, um, I'm not sure that I'm the best fit for you. <laughs> yeah, right? Cause no we talked about work. humility yeah. right? and, and, so if you find somebody who does exactly what you do, we call that a competitor, yeah, not a coach, right? So you don't want to be coached by your competitor. Though, although there are situ- situations in which um, people may get together with their competition and you know sort of raise the tide for all the boats, right? Mm-hmm. And and so there's a legitimate path that way. Um, but what I find is um, that if if you have as a coach a posture of I'd like to help you. And I want to know where you're stuck and how we can help you move forward. A lot of that goes away. Like you don't, it's not, I don't know what the success measure is. That's like, Hey, if you can't shoot, a four point shot or half court shot, like yeah, you know much you of to me because I don't think yeah, four I was going to ask you who <laughs> the championship team was. Joe. Uh, Adam knows I know nothing no, I, about sports, and when I started talking about, he just looked at me like, "Go ahead, say something dumb." I'm not a. I, I don't know if there actually is a four point shot. I know there's some. There's been discussion at some point. I know that the women won the World Cup. Know. That's pretty awesome. That's good, Joe. Yeah. yeah. I saw that Proud on, of you, on vacation. I was in a different country. Yeah, I had to Everybody look up what uh, ticker tape parade was. Oh, yeah. They kept talking about that. Uh, yeah, still you got to go back to the 40s. Yeah. They just throw paper out of windows. We call that littering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it used to be called <laughs> ticker tape, but now it's littering. <laughs> so they do it in New York all the time. Yeah. You know, uh, Did it come from ticker tape? Is that like the yeah, thing the that would come off of the... Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like for stock market numbers Stocks. and stuff. Yeah. Hmm. All right, well, let me ask you this. If anybody wants to get involved with a coach or a consultant and they've been listening to this and they're like, oh, I need to I need to at least explore this, what's a great way to get in contact with you and to start that conversation? Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, obviously, you can check out my website at uh, getwiseinsights.com and um, you can see a little bit about sort of how I think about things, um, some blog stuff there, and um, there's a page on coaching for leaders. Um, obviously phone call, carrier pigeon, whatever, um, you know, I'm happy to, to spend time exploring with anybody, um, on sort of how coaching might be helpful to them in the context of what they're trying to do. I'm also wondering if there aren't people who were listening to today's episode and thought like when you talked about just helping people and wanting to do good in the world, um, that kind of sounds like me. Like what would you give somebody that's thinking maybe coaching is something I should look into? What's a good first step? I'd say find a coach and talk to him. Yeah. Um, because at the end of the day, just like we were talking, right, that's the very beginning of the the company life cycle. Yeah. Right. Is like, hey, I don't know something. How do I go find somebody who does know something? Right. There's plenty of books you can read. There's all kinds of things. But, you know, like the chances are pretty good that um, if you go on LinkedIn and, and type coach, you're going to find at least a couple of people that are one first or second connections to you that you could talk to. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. Well, thanks so much for being on the podcast today. Thanks yeah, for having thank me. You. I know, uh, was it everything you expected and more? <laughs> you just can't imagine. <laughs>
Well, thank you. And thanks for filling in, Adam. Really appreciate it. You're welcome. All right. I wish my voice sounded as cool as yours in this microphone. Uh, <laughs> said to everyone. Ever. Alas, day, it does not. Day, <laughs> we love making this stuff for you. You can help us out by subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. Get unstuck. Tell a better story and have a good answer to the question. What are you doing today? 